Welcome to the Indianola First podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our prayer is that this message will inspire you, encourage you, and launch you into life-changing action. Great. I love when the Lord shows up even before the word is spoken. Um, You guys can go ahead and bring everything out. Don't worry about these guys. They're setting some stuff up. But while they're setting that up, I have uh, a, a, a little giveaway, a gift card giveaway today. But I'm not just going to give it to anybody. I want to know who has the biggest family, all right? Like immediate family. I don't want to know all your cousins and aunts and uncles and all that stuff. Just your biggest, uh, the biggest family here, immediate family. Sorry for the people online. We do want to know yours too, so go ahead and drop that in the chat. If you're watching online, just go ahead and let us know how many people you have in your family. It's okay if you drop cups. It's Pastor Jared's anyway. We'll just pick them back up. Uh, (laughs) No, so how many, who has the biggest family in here right now? Don't, don't be shy. Rankins, how many, how many are in there? 18. 18 in your immediate family? No, no, just brothers and sisters and, you know, so. Sure, steps, kids count all the time. Don't get, don't get, don't get too technical here. How many you got? I'll tell you, I have, there's seven of us in my family, all right? There's seven kids, so who has more than that? Josh, go ahead. 13, anybody got bigger than 13? That's just siblings, there you go. See, now he's catching on, there you go. Nobody bigger than 13? Okay, good, so now you can take them all, it's Cracker Barrel, you know, go ahead. You know, <laughs> just take Carla then. Happy birthday, Carla. Just take Carla. It's fine. Sorry, camera people. I just took off. They're, they get so confused when you do that. So it's all right, though. Uh, all right. Yes. Uh, like I said, I have, there's six siblings with me. That's seven. So I got a, a pretty big family um, when we all get together. With that many siblings, a lot of the time, the dinner table is full. Most nights, the dinner table when I was a kid was full. But you can guarantee every night, the dinner table was loud. All right, because not only do I come from a big family, I come from a super loud family. They are very loud. They're very opinionated. And by loud, I mean like if you come from like a a more uh, reserved family and you come to my family, you might think we're yelling at each other, but really I just call that a conversation. All right, you know, maybe you have that family. I definitely have that family. In fact, my wife likes to tell a story of the first time she met my family. At this time, we were, we were dating, and we were living up in Minneapolis, and we came down um, or over to uh, see my family. We got there late at night, and so she went upstairs, went to bed, I went downstairs, and I went to, to bed, and we didn't really get to see any of my family or get to talk and meet them, nothing like that. Well, the next morning, um, she hears my mom, and what she describes as yelling very, very loudly, and I describe as my mom's inside voice, you know? Uh, if my mom's watching, you know I'm, I'm not lying, all right? Um, a, and she was scared, and I went upstairs, and I got her, and I said, hey, you should come down and see my family. What I, what I found out later was she was up for hours, and she stayed up there for hours, and then I had to go get her and bring her down and meet my family. And I just praise God that she stuck with me and decided to marry me anyway, uh, despite my very loud, opinionated, and big family. So you can just imagine at my house how the holidays were. 
And um, in fact, Thanksgiving, let's just talk about that. And the dinner table at Thanksgiving was crazy, all right? How many here during Thanksgiving have an adult table and a kid table? Or maybe you used to have an adult table and a kid table. Anybody in here? Yeah, you still do that? Okay, no, not anymore, but you used to do that, all right? Growing up, we had those tables as well. And as a kid, I always wanted to be at the adult table. Now, I'm not sure what was on the inside of me that made me really want to sit at the adult table because now I'd rather sit at the kid table, you know? <laughs> you know, but I wanted to, and for some reason, I just wanted to be at the table, at the adult table. I would look at that table and think, man, what age do I have to be, what do I have to do uh, to get the invite to go and sit at the table with adults? I mean, I look over there and they look like they're having a ton of fun. And I like fun, so I wanna have a ton of fun. So what do I need to do? Or maybe, oh man, maybe, oh yeah, I can hear they're, they're talking about somebody. I wanna find out who they're talking about and know what all is going on. By the way, another sermon, but gossip's a sin, so stop it. Okay, your kids are watching. That's, that's another sermon that Pastor Roy preached later on, okay? But uh, they have so much fun over there at the adult table. One day, I will. I will get that invite to go over there. I will sit at the table, and it will be the most glorious day ever when that happens. Well, guess what happened? When I finally got old enough to get the invite to go sit at the table, they stinking stopped having the adult table and the kid table, and you could just sit anywhere you wanted to. Some people sat in the kitchen, some people sat in the living room, some people sat outside, not really because it's November and it's cold in Illinois. But uh, when, I finally, when I finally could have gotten that invite to sit at a seat at the table for Thanksgiving, that seat was ripped out from underneath me, all right? That was a sad day for me, but not really, all right? But <laughs> this morning, though, I really feel like the Lord wants me to tell you and to let you know that there's an invite and, and, and a seat at the table with him for you. And that seat will never get ripped out from underneath you. Your seat will not, never be given to somebody else. The table will never be too full for you to sit at. Never. There's always room and there's always an invite at his table for you. If you guys have your Bibles, let's go ahead and open up to Luke 19, 1 through 10. I want to read one of my favorite stories in the Bible. I'm just kind of rambling on so you get some time to find your Bibles. Look open Luke 19. Um, this story might be familiar to some, some people in here, but it might be the first time hearing it. So whether you have your phones or your Bibles or somebody else's Bible, go ahead and let's read this together. Luke 19, 1 through 10, all right? It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead, climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be a guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. 
and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to, the, to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save what was lost. Now, of course, this is the story of Zacchaeus, the short man who likes to cheat people out of their money. But just a real recap, a real quick recap of the story. We see that Jesus is passing through Jericho on this particular day. As far as we know from this passage, Jesus didn't have any business to do in Jericho. He was just passing through. It was a means to an end. But Zacchaeus heard that Jesus was passing through and really wanted to get a glimpse of this man and see what all this noise was that was surrounding him. But scripture tells us that there was a great crowd that formed around Jesus, and because Zacchaeus was so short, he couldn't see anything. I just like, I like this part of the scripture. Zacchaeus being a short man, he sees a tree, and he's like, hey, there's a tree. I should climb it. Duh. You know, I, I think that goes through a lot of guys' minds. Like, hey, there's a tree. I bet I could climb that. <laughs> Especially if you're hanging out with your buddies. Then you're like, I know I can climb that tree. I can climb it probably faster than you. But anyway, he sees this tree, and he's like, of course I can climb this. I could see him. Yep, I'm going to get up there, and I'm going to go and see Jesus. So he climbs that tree. It's exactly what he He gets up there to see Jesus. And now the story gets really good because Scripture doesn't say Zacchaeus got up at this tree and started yelling at Jesus. Hey, Jesus, look at me up here. Look at me. Look at me. Anybody? Movie reference? No, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> up here. Yay, Jesus. I'm right here. Can you see me? I need you to pick me. I need you to choose me. You should come to my house. It didn't say that. It doesn't say that Zacchaeus said any of, that, any of that stuff. In fact, in verse 5, it says, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down. I must stay at your house today. And we'll come back to that, to that scripture because I think that scripture is pretty amazing. But Zacchaeus comes down from the tree and Jesus went to his house and now in my own head, I imagine that they went to a table, they sat down at the table, they probably shared a meal together, and they had a conversation, and, and, and while they're having this conversation, there's other people outside, and they're all muttering about how Jesus went to be a guest at a sinner's house. But listen to this, because after that, after, Zacchaeus went, or after Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house, Zacchaeus was changed, and he was changed forever. In fact, he was willing to give half of his possessions to the poor and anybody uh, that he cheated. Then Jesus says one last thing before he leaves Zacchaeus' house. In verse 9 and 10, it says, Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. I believe the Lord has given me this, this opportunity to preach to, to you all today because somebody in here or somebody online needs to hear this. You need to hear that he chooses you. Amen. Jesus chooses you. And the good news in that is he chooses you just as you are. Just as you are. Just like in Luke 19, 5, when Jesus looked up at Zacchaeus and said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Jesus didn't say, hey, yo, Zacchaeus, I see you up there. Straighten out your life. Fly right. Do everything right. Then I will come to your house. Jesus didn't say, Zacchaeus, stop stealing from people. Stop lying to people. Stop being a sinner. Then I'll come to your house, and then we can have this conversation that I want to have with you. Jesus didn't say, hey, look at this table. You see this, this table and everybody that's around the table? There isn't room for you right now at this table, Zacchaeus. 
because you have some stuff to clean up. Sorry, you can't sit here yet. If you clean it up, then I'll make room for you at this table. No. All Jesus said was, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house. Jesus knew Zacchaeus' name, which I'm fascinated about that. He just looked up and said, hey, Zacchaeus. You know, he knew, uh, Jesus knew Zacchaeus' name. He knew he was a sinner. He knew that Zacchaeus had done some horrible things. He knew Zacchaeus' job and what he did for a living. But Jesus took Zacchaeus just as he was and said, let's go to your house because I choose you. Jesus looked at Zacchaeus and said to him, you see this table? You see, maybe, maybe, maybe you see everybody around this or you feel like there's everybody around this table and it's full and there's no room for you? Nope, it's not true. Just as you are, I choose you, I love you, there's room. In fact, we can move people. We can spread them out. We can make this table longer. There is room for you. Jesus meets you in your mess and he calls you by name. Today, I know nobody is sitting in a tree, but I do believe there are people stuck in sin who feel overlooked by others and by God. And just like Zacchaeus, you feel like you don't measure up. Jesus is here. He's walking around this sanctuary today to, to call you by name and to invite you to his table where there's always room. We need to listen and expect Jesus to speak to us and meet us because he wants to, to do that in a big way. He chooses you. Jesus also did this when he called Matthew to follow him. In Matthew 9, 9 and 10, it says, As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. Here we see again how Jesus didn't see Matthew, didn't see Matthew or go to Matthew and say, you have, you have a seat at the table with me if, if you stop doing this stuff or if you stop sinning or if you get your life straightened out. All Jesus did was went to Matthew and said two simple words, follow me, follow me, and Matthew did it. There was room at the table with Jesus for Matthew, for Zacchaeus, for other tax collectors and sinners and you and me and everybody. I look at my life and I'm so glad Jesus chose me because just like Zacchaeus, just like Matthew, just like the other disciples, I, I didn't deserve a seat at a table with Jesus. But I had to realize that even though I was a sinner, even though I followed Christ and then walked away for a few years uh, when I was younger, I thought I didn't deserve his love. I thought because I wasn't good as, as people around me that I didn't deserve a seat at the table. I had to realize that Jesus still chose me and he still chooses you as well he chooses you when things are going great he chooses you when you mess up in a big way he chooses you on a daily basis and he invites you to come to the table to sit with him to be with him and this morning i want you to realize that he has a place for you at his table like i said nowhere in the bible have i ever read that you need to be perfect to come and sit at this table but there are multiple places and multiple people that I read about in the Bible that, that they're, they're sinners, they're broken, they're hurting, they're lonely, they're confused, they're imperfect people that Jesus called and said, come, sit with me and I'll clean you up. Come to my table. I invite you to my table. 
You, you might think there's no room at this table here, but Jesus says, here's an invite. Let me make room for you at the table. Even when you mess up, just come back to the table because I choose you over and over and over again. He's going to keep choosing you. You can never run too far. You can never mess up too bad. You can never be uh, too big of a sinner that will keep you away from his table. Because honestly, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's in Romans 3.23. But the good news to all of that is the only thing we need to do is make one turn back to Jesus. And he's right there with his arms wide open to take us back and to put us right at the table with him. That's called repentance, and it's always there for us. It's not running out. It's there. We just have to make that choice. Because you are the one he loves. You are the one Jesus loves. Don't let anybody tell you different, especially Satan. Don't let him whisper lies into your ear saying that you're not good enough. Because Jesus chooses you. You are the one he loves. Jesus loves you, and there's always room, and there's always an invite to this table to sit with him. Once you realize that Jesus chooses you, and you can't run too far from him, and there's always room at the table for you, then you can know and understand the next thing he does, and that's that he champions you. If you're taking notes, that's my second point. Point one, he chooses you. Point two, he champions you. If you want to talk about the ultimate I have your back person, then Jesus is that person. He always has your back. If, um, let's go back and look at how Jesus championed Matthew and all the sinners that were at the table with him. Matthew 9:11 says this. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? So basically, Jesus tells Matthew, follow me. Matthew gets up, follows Jesus, and, and then uh, invites some of his fellow sinners to sit and have a meal with him as well. Again, you see, we see here that Jesus doesn't wait for these guys to be perfect. He just grabs them, uh, grabs all the fellow sinners, and makes room at the table for them. Once that happened, then the religious leaders start talking and wondering why he would sit with sinners and unclean people. I just wonder, like, as I read that scripture, I was like, can you feel the Pharisees' judgmental eyes just staring these guys down? They didn't even have to hide that they were judging these guys, uh, actually, because um, they said it out loud. These guys said it out loud. They said, they said how, um, how can your teacher go and sit with these disgusting, terrible, horrible sinners? They're so gross, you know? I just like somebody saying that about you. And here the religious leaders are saying that about the people Jesus invited and called to the table. But don't worry, because Jesus has Matthew's back. He's going to champion Matthew. And Jesus steps up and champions Matthew and everybody there by saying in Matthew 9, 12 through 13, on hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. I love Jesus. Jesus has such the best mic drop moments. He can come in, one sentence, boom, just blow up everything. It's, it's awesome. He, he was like, it's these people I have come for. It's these people I have chosen to sit with me. They're sitting with me, and I choose them. They need to dine with me. They need to sit with me. They need mercy. 
This is why I'm here. And that's why I sit and eat with them. That's why they're at my table and I'll always have room for them. Hey, Pharisees, you know what? Why don't you start acting a little more like me, okay, guys? I think Jesus, man, Jesus is just amazing with what he says. Jesus also did this with the woman who was caught in adultery and people wanted to stone her. This is found in John 8, 1 through 11. I want you to go read that later. It's John 8, 1 through 11. But I'll paraphrase it for you this morning. Basically, Jesus is out teaching at the temple, and all of a sudden, these Pharisees, who knew the law and enforced the law, brought this woman before Jesus. They said that she was caught in adultery, and the law of Moses says she should be stoned. Now, Jesus knew these guys were trying to trap him, and as we all know, you can't trap Jesus. Good luck. You know, Jesus then, from there, he bends down. He writes something in the sand. We don't know what he writes in the sand, but he writes something. And then he stands back up. And, and, and he has this lady's back, and he champions her. And in John 8, 7, Jesus says, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Jesus champions her. How do we know this? Because after saying this, after he said that, people just started disappearing. They just started retreating. They started to leave. Let me tell you today, you do not have to feel alone. Because once you sit at this table, you have a Father in heaven who has your back. He's there to defend you, to stick up for you, to love you through whatever you're dealing with in this season of life. We go to the table, we sit with him, and we let Jesus in heaven fight our battles. Stop trying to do things on your own. We have a Savior who is there for us, who has your back who doesn't leave us, who doesn't forsake us, he's there. Once we're at that table, man, he, he chooses us and he backs us up. We just have to give him our hurt. We have to give him our struggles. We got to give him our anxiety, give him our depression. We give him our identity. As we do that, Jesus starts to do something on the inside of us. And this leads me to my, to my third point today, and that's he changes you. He changes you. So he chooses you, he champions you, and he changes you. We see that Zacchaeus was invited to the table with Jesus. At that table, he had an encounter with Jesus, and from that sit down with Jesus, he was changed forever. Luke 19, 8, we see the change that took place in Zacchaeus' heart and life because it says, But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord. Here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Zacchaeus found his identity in money. It was everything to him. He loved it so much that he was willing to be disliked. He was willing to cheat people. He was willing to lie. He was willing to steal so he could have anything and everything that he wanted. Money was his identity. But with just one encounter with Jesus, one sit down, one invite, one sit down at the table with Jesus, he gave it all up. He changed forever. He was done with that life. Jesus chose Zacchaeus and invited him to the table. But Zacchaeus had to choose Jesus and go to the table and be changed. I think that's sometimes the part that we forget. <laughs> oh, Jesus chooses me. Oh, Jesus champions me. Oh, great, but I don't want to change this. 
I, I really like money still, or I really like this or that, or will you insert whatever it is that you keep not wanting to change. But we do that so much. We see those, Zacchaeus said, nope. I'm changing. I'm going to take that step. I'm going to take the invite. I'm going to go to the table. I'm going to sit with Jesus. Jesus did his part when he stopped and called Zacchaeus by name and when he went to his house. It was up to Zacchaeus to get down from the tree, say yes to Jesus, and then go and sit with Jesus, listen to him, and obey what he, what he was saying. We also see that with Matthew. And with the woman who was caught in adultery, that one encounter with Jesus changed them forever. Matthew 9, 9, it says, As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. Jesus saw Matthew. Jesus said, follow me. From there is up to Matthew. Matthew had to make the decision to sit at the table with Jesus and follow him forever. Or stay doing what he was doing. He had that choice. You have that choice to take the invite and go and sit or stay in the sin or in whatever you are in right now. You have that choice. I love Matthew's response to Jesus saying, follow him. We see his response at the end of the verse. It says, Matthew got up and followed him. Matthew decided right, right there and then on the spot to give up everything that he knew and follow Jesus. He was willing to change drop the sinning, drop the old Matthew, and become who Jesus wanted him to be, who Jesus created him to be. Matthew was ready for the change to happen in his life. The lady in John 8 who was caught in adultery had a decision to make as well. John 8:11 says, no, sir, she said, then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go and leave your life of sin. This lady had an encounter with Jesus, and it saved her life literally saved her life. People wanted to stone her. People wanted to point out how bad of a life she was living. But Jesus chose a different route with this lady. He forgave her and called her to a life of change. Now, I don't know what happened to this lady after Jesus told her to go and leave your life of sin. But I'm going to go out on a ledge here. And I believe she did what Jesus told her to do. I believe she decided to change her lifestyle and obey Jesus. I'm going out on that ledge because, let me tell you, one encounter with Jesus, one time sitting at his table, you'll never want to leave. You won't want to go back to that lifestyle because nothing's better than Jesus. Nothing's better than sitting at this table with Jesus. Nothing's better than having some time with Jesus. We already experienced a little bit here at the altar tonight, today, this morning. I usually preach in youth, so uh, it's nighttime. <laughs> We've already experienced it this morning at the altar there's something about the presence of Jesus and sitting at that table that you don't want to go back to that lifestyle. You don't want to be the same. If you want to experience change in your life, it starts on the practice field, not the podium. What do I mean by that? I mean, a lot of people want the end result of change, but they're not willing to put the work in to get there. We want to have that experience with Jesus, but we're not willing to do anything else throughout the week. We want the trophy of everything we did, but we're not willing to put in the hard work it takes to get there. I don't think there's one Olympic athlete that I could find that has won the Olympics without practice. 
without putting in the work. But yet we do that with our Christian life. We always want the accolades. We want the things that comes along with Jesus. We want that feeling. We want that, you know, him to do all this stuff, but we're not willing to put in the work that it takes to get there. We want to sit at the table with Jesus. We all want Jesus to choose us. We want him to have our backs, which he will. He's going to. He will. But we're not willing to spend any time with him. We're not willing to do that in order to see the change. James 4.8 says, come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hearts, you double-minded. We need to be willing to draw close to God every day. We need to be willing to come to the table, sit at the table, and listen to what Jesus is telling us. And then do something with it. And that's a daily commitment, not once in a while uh, when we feel like it commitment. How do we draw near to God? Get in your word. Pray. Surround yourself with people who are going to uplift you, who are going to help you get closer to Jesus. Build that relationship with him throughout the whole week, every day. That's how we do it. Let today be the day that you get back on track with Jesus. Let today be the day that you go and you take that invite and you sit with him at the table and you decide once and forever that you're going to be changed and you're not going back to that old life. This morning, Jesus wants to have an encounter with you. I know we've had an encounter already with him, but I think there's more. I know there's more. I love when the Holy Spirit speaks to Devin and speaks to, you know, uh, just different things throughout the service, like the, the um, altar that we've already had. That already spoke to what the Lord wanted to start doing today. And he wants to do more. He wants to have that encounter with you today. And that encounter wants to, is going to transform your life. I believe Jesus is inviting you and everybody in this, in this room to his table. He's saying there is room at this table for you. You might think it looks full. You might think there's no room for you. You might think you're too bad to come and sit at this table. But guess what? Jesus chose you. He loves you. You are his child. And he's saying today to you, I choose you to come and sit with me. And you know what? While we're doing this, I will champion you through this life, through the ups and through the downs of this life, through the mess ups, through anything. I choose you. But you have to be willing to change what Jesus is telling you to change. Listen, I believe there are people in this room and watching online. I want you guys to make an altar at your house. If you're online, make an altar at your, uh, at your house and get with Jesus because he chooses you right where you're at. And I believe that there are people in this room and, and people online that Jesus is calling to this table who are struggling with fear. Come to the table. Bring that fear to him because I guarantee as long as you sit at this table with Jesus, you'll be fearless. Maybe there are people who need to come to the table who are feeling worthless this morning. Let me remind you that when you sit at the table and you sit with Jesus, he gives you worth. You have worth. You have worth. Come to the table, those who feel like nobody loves you. Because you will sit here and you will know that there's a God in heaven who loves you beyond words. And he thinks you are beautiful and he thinks you are amazing and he thinks you are wonderful. He, he calls you his child. Come to the table, those who deal with anxiety and depression. 
because Jesus wants you to know there's a place for you at his table and that he chooses you and that he's proud of you and he wants to carry that burden for you today. Come to the table, those who have had a seat at the table before, but you left the table, you walked away from Jesus altogether. He wants to know that he wants you to know that he chooses you again. Over and over and over again, he chooses you. He invites you back to his table. It only takes one encounter with Jesus to be changed forever. Let today be that day where you turn everything over to him and you sit at his table and you feel welcome, loved, cared for, and changed forever. So this is how I want to end this morning. If I could have everybody stand up. I want to end by everybody in here and everybody who's watching online knowing that you are invited to the table with Jesus and he is inviting you this morning to just sit with him, just be with him. So as Anna and Daniel play this song, uh, I want you to listen to the words. We're going to have the words on the screen. Online, we'll have the words for you too. I want you to read these words, listen to these words. Let them sink into your heart. And as the Lord starts to tug on your heart to come to his table and sit in his presence, listen to that invite. Respond to that invite. These altars are open. At home, like I said, make an altar for yourself. These altars are open but go to that table. We saw that in Zacchaeus, in Matthew, the woman, all that. They had to move. They had to do something. And that's what we're going to do tonight. That's going to do this morning. That's what we're going to do here is we're going to respond to that calling by coming to the altar and sitting at, in the presence of Jesus and letting him change us from the inside out. Nobody in this room has done or nobody online has done anything bad enough that you're not welcome to the table. He chooses you. He champions you. He changes you. He did all that work when he went to that cross. Now it's our turn to listen and respond. Let the Lord work in your life. Let forgiveness happen in your life. Let the fact that Jesus chooses you all the time sink into your heart. Let the fact that he champions you and has your back build that confidence in your life. And make that commitment to change once and for all. There's room at the table for you. So as they play this song, let's respond to that calling. Let's respond to what Jesus is calling you to do. Thanks for being a part of the Indianola First podcast. Join us next week to stay updated on our latest messages.